You are listening to the Asking for a Friend podcast, an elder-led ministry of Believer's Baptist Church in Emory, Texas. The Asking for a Friend podcast exists as a weekly resource for the edification and knowledge of God's people. My name is Jason Rowland. I'm the senior pastor and one of the elders of Believer's Baptist Church. And joining me on the podcast today is one of our other elders, Philip Castleton, we want to thank you for listening, whoever you may be and wherever you may be. May the Lord bless the podcast to you as a means of grace for your spiritual growth. And Philip, it is our privilege to come back now on this second week of August, uh, rather September, with this recording so that we are back into the Sermon on the Mount or the Beatitudes. Right. We started this back in June of 2021, and then we had a couple of months, July and August, in which we replayed previous podcasts. And so now, as I said, it's our joy, it's our privilege to be able to come back to the podcast with the question being, who are the merciful and what mercy do they receive? Right. Who are the merciful and what mercy do they receive? So let's read, beginning in chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 2. And he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who persecute you for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, as I said, in June of 2021, we did the first four of these, and those first four Beatitudes, the poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, are really heart attitudes, their mind and heart attitudes toward God. Now, what we want to do is do the last four of the Beatitudes, beginning with this one about mercy, who are the merciful, and what mercy do they receive? And these four Beatitudes are horizontal, where the first four could be vertical. Yeah, I think so. I, and I don't know that there's a, like a perfect correlation, and some of them might be harder to see on the surface, but I think they are. I think there's a sense in which, especially um, as you and I were just discussing, you know, um, uh, the, the pure in heart uh, one, which we'll do on another podcast. But, you know, we see that and we might think to ourselves, okay, how is that horizontal? And I think we'll make sense of that in that podcast. But there is, a, there is um, I do believe that these these remaining ones, four or five, however you count them, um, uh, are, are more horizontal in nature. So we see our relationship to God represented in the first ones, and we see what we're supposed to look like in relationship to men in, in these in these last ones. Right. They, the last four of these, and I think it's four because it, it speaks of uh, mercy, pure in heart, peacemakers, and then those who are persecuted. And so I think these then become the outward manifestations of the first four. 
that you are poor in spirit, that you have mourned over your sin, that you are meek, that you hunger and thirst for righteousness now that is not your own, mm-hmm. that you recognize that you need a righteousness that, that is imputed to you. Right. And so those then become, as I said, the mind, the, the heart attitude toward God. These next four become the horizontal relationship that we have with one another. And so, Philip, what is it then, first of all, to, to just come back to the idea of blessed? What, how do we need to understand the word blessed here in all of these beatitudes? What does Jesus mean? Does he mean, um, as we have typically in, understood and interpreted that word as happy? Are, are we happy as those who are pure in heart? Are we happy as peacemakers, or is there something more that's being said? Well, I certainly think it could be, and we probably should be happy mm-hmm. when we see these these things which are, are true of God, um, true in us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no doubt about that, but I think blessedness here communicates something a little different than just happiness, um, and probably more substantial than just happiness. Um, a couple of things. Blessedness is, is, first of all, true of God. So this is actually a description or even an attribute of God. God is blessed, and we are blessed when we partake of his nature. So when we are in Christ, obviously through the work of the, the Holy Spirit, um, you know, we're born again, we're, we're made new in him, um, we partake of his nature. We're, we, we are adjoined to him in that sense. And then what's true of him and in some sense is, is true of us. Um, all throughout the Old Testament, we see Jesus, or not Jesus, but rather uh, God in general, described as, as blessed. And even in the New Testament, we see it. First Peter, um, Ephesians, Second uh, uh, Corinthians, all start by this, saying this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? So here, I mean, are we saying that God is happy? Uh, you see, that's not a statement about his happiness. Right. He's talking about um, what he is. Um, he is blessed, right? So when we, if we share in his nature, we also share in this attribute, and that is we are blessed. So what does it mean to be identified with God is really the, the question. And I think this is what it means. Um, to say that, um, that we are blessed is really to say that blessed is what God says about us, Right? It's a statement of God's approval. So if we're blessed, it means that we're approved by God. So when he says, blessed is the merciful, he's saying the, the one who's, who's merciful is approved by God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, the, the, blessed is the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Was there anyone more approved by God than, right. than Jesus and Christ? Son, right. Right. Um, we often use this word to refer, like I said, to the blessings that God gives us, right? But I don't think that that is... Um, I don't think that's what he's talking about here, and I'll tell you why. Because God gives blessings to Christians and non-Christians alike, right? Mm-hmm. We've talked about common and uncommon grace. But the fact is, is God even blesses the unbeliever. But what he's describing in these um, beatitudes are things that can only be true of a believer. Right. So if, if blessing is ultimately what he's talking about, just blessing in general, I'm going to give blessing to these, well, the, then these things may or may not be true of believers and non-believers alike. Mm-hmm. It, it's not that. Only the believer shares in the nature of God. 
right. because of his new birth and his union with Christ. So whatever he's talking about in the context of these Beatitudes is only true of a believer because they are the ones who are blessed, right. sharing his nature. So this is really what's being... Um, uh, communicated here. And and if we just read uh, the things that accompany it, I think we can make sense of it, right? It's obvious that that this blessedness, whatever it is, it's not common to all men because verse 3 says what? Um, uh, you know, the poor in spirit, mourning, meekness, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, mercy, pure in heart, peacemakers, persecution, right, for righteousness' sake. Then he gives these the words that um, describe them, right? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, right? So forth and so on. We know that um, that those things don't belong to unbelievers. I mean, why is the unbeliever being persecuted for righteousness' sake? Right. Right. Why is he um, uh, hungering and thirsting for righteousness? We know these things are untrue of those outside of of Christ and outside of the working of the Spirit in their life. So this blessedness that is attached to all of these things, that is, that is described you know, with these particular um, deals, can only be true of the believer and those who are in union with Christ. And so in that sense, I think it's something that is shared with him and only with him. Okay. So with that definition and that understanding, let's think about the word mercy. Because when we think about mercy in our uh, ego-centered, selfish culture, our society that does not place a lot of, um, uh, well, it doesn't play, place a high premium on mercy. Yeah. Uh, we tend to have an attitude, uh, a, a pound of flesh for a pound of flesh. So sure. mercy then would be seen as a weakness. But but let's think about how we ought to understand that for the Christian in our culture, in light of the way that our culture thinks about it. What is a good definition? How do we understand mercy? Well, um, you know, we, we think about mercy in the sense of um, not receiving what I'm owed or what is due to me, right? Mm-hmm. So we, we often pair, and I think it's rightly done, that we pair grace and mercy as like two sides of the same coin, right? Mm-hmm. So grace is um, a, uh, receiving favor that, that I don't deserve, mm-hmm. and mercy is the withholding of that which I do. So we see the blessings, like if we were to use that word here, blessings are often given to us. We understand those to be means a, a grace, a grace gift, right? Mm-hmm. But um, the fact that my sin has been dealt with or that I, I don't receive uh, justice in, in the sense of condemnation, mm-hmm. we recognize that as mercy. Mm-hmm. So we see that. But here I think it goes beyond that. And I'll tell you why, because this is the mercy that is required of you, right? right? Which is evidenced, I think. What, I think what's being said here is there's a, there's a mercy that will be evident in you when you have yourself been a recipient of mercy. Mm-hmm. And I think so then mercy, mercy's definition goes broader than, than simply to withhold that which um, is um, necessarily due. Right, mm-hmm. I think sometimes mercy in this case almost is confused with grace, and probably rightly so, because it means that I'm reaching out and I'm providing or satisfying needs in others that they can't necessarily repay. So in that sense, it's almost as if mercy is me giving that freely, which they don't deserve. Right. 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 So in the context of that, um, mercy is me reaching out and, and helping helping the poor. And the needy, and the and you know, so right. forth and so on. Yeah, right. I think I think that's right, Philip. And and there's a 
there's a lot of connection, at least in our thinking, between, as you say, mercy and grace, where mercy offers us relief from the punishment, and, and grace is pardon for the crime, if you would. Mm-hmm. But there's other connections, too, like mercy and forgiveness, mercy and love, mercy and justice. Well, and I think all these things are, are, are really, that's what is being described. He doesn't use all those words here, but I right. think they all flavor what's being communicated here. Right. Because I think if we were to try, and we're going to talk more about this, but I think ultimately what's going to be communicated in this, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. We're, we, we, we do an injustice to this if what we think is being said is, I can earn mercy by providing mercy. Mm-hmm. So if I do uh, so-and-so, um, you know, a merciful favor, if I show them grace, if I do these kind acts, and I think this is where um, this works-based theology is fed sometimes with a misunderstanding here, right? Right. Well, I will be justified by God one day because I, I went out and did acts of mercy. But that could be furthest thing from what this is actually saying. Mm-hmm. It's not saying that I can earn mercy if I provide mercy. It's saying that Mercy will be a reality in the way that I act and treat others because it'll be evident that I have received mercy. Right. I know myself as a wretched, pitiable sinner, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I think this actually corresponds, if you will, with poor in spirit mm-hmm. in that sense, right? The word poor in spirit, the whole text there is to recognize I've got nothing. Mm-hmm. I have nothing to merit with God. I have nothing to, to provide. Totally it, bankrupt. I'm bankrupt, right? And if I recognize that, then I, any standing I have is on the basis of mercy. God has poured out lavishly his kindness upon me. And recognizing that, it overflows and it works itself out into my hands and my feet. And, and it, is, it is seen in others. And if it's not, there's no evidence that it's a reality in my life. Right. And I think that's the, what's being communicated here. Right. Right. And we know that God demonstrates himself as being merciful. I mean, from the Garden of Eden yeah. until the, uh, the uh, consummation of creation or time and mm-hmm. redemption, we see the mercy of God being shown over and over again. And even in the New Testament, we see where Paul um, refers to um, God of all being of all mercies, the God of all mercies in Second Corinthians. We see the same thing in Ephesians where God shows us great mercy. And so we we know that mercy comes to us by the fact that God just is who he is and he demonstrates that towards us. It's part us. of his nature. In fact, in the Old Testament, you could almost make synonym with mercy in the, in the term loving kindness. Yes. Right? You constantly see him described as, toward his people, the one who gives and, and because of, the one who has done this, the one who's done that because of his loving kindness. You can almost interchange mercy there because he's been merciful. Right. Because he's been merciful. Because he's given you what you don't deserve, and he's been merciful. Right. right. Hear these words from Ephesians. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in 
mercy. Very same, very same thing articulated in First Peter verse chapter one verse three. I think that's it right. Is. You know, we were saved why because of His mercy. Yes. Right. So this is um, this is ubiquitous in Scripture, and we not only see mercy displayed ultimately to believers, but also to non-believers in a lot of in a lot of ways. It's part of who God is, but we can't claim to be His, marked by Him with a new nature that belongs to Him, if it doesn't also mark us. Right. Um, one other text, and I've referred to. Now I read it from Second Corinthians chapter one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. Yeah. And so again, I think you're right, Philip. And so let's think about what practically, how do we show mercy? Well, we, we can show mercy in physical acts. We have the story, for example, in Matthew 18 about the man who was forgiven and shown mercy, though he owed the great debt to the king and the king showed him mercy. Mm-hmm. And then that, that slave went out and did not show mercy to one of his fellow um, servants. And, of course, he was called on the carpet for that by the king and brought to a um, place of, of um, punishment, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, until he, he was willing to show mercy. Right. So we can show mercy by physical acts. Well, absolutely. We even see that in um, when... when uh, the Good Samaritan story, right? They, yes. Actually, the question is asked, who then showed him mercy? Right. It was the one who took him in and did what he could for him, right? Right. So we, in that, and everything that was done there ultimately was physical. I mean, he bound his wounds. He took him to a place, paid for his welfare, right? right? I mean, this is what he did. So certainly that is, in fact... Um, I think that we often see that picture unfold. In fact, the Pharisees are often chided because they don't show mercies, in, and usually that means in practical ways. Mm-hmm. In fact, James says as much, right? If you see someone who's hungry and thirsty, right. you don't just say, be blessed, young man. You, right. you know, Go warm, no, be warm to be yeah, filled. Yeah, you're filled, it's okay. No, 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 no. Give them some food and a blanket, right? right? Give them some warm clothes. That's how you show mercy in that situation. Right. Mercy isn't the kind word there. Right. Mercy is the actual a practical working out of their physical need. Right. Yeah. So yeah. It, 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 I think it's often manifested in that way. Right. It's, it can be manifested in sharing the gospel. It, in fact, it should. Um, how, what is the greatest way to show mercy? Right. And to actually mirror the mercy that's been shown to you. Yes. Because what has been shown to you in, in the greatest sense of mercy is the fact that your sins have been washed away and there's a righteousness been applied to you that was not your own. It was unearned on your side, right? right. And, um, and so when we go to people, make them aware of their sin and, and show them that there's relief for that burden, that their sins can be assuaged, they can be expiated, they can be washed clean, and that righteousness, the, the righteousness that they can never even hint at providing for themselves is provided in abundance. There's no greater mercy that we can show somebody than to tell them that that is available to those who believe. Right. We could show mercy in confrontation or disputes. Yes. When, when there's disagreement and argument, we can show mercy by being willing to listen. And, you know, a good example of that is um, when Jesus confronts Peter and says, get thee behind me. Right. That was an act of mercy. 
Right. Or as we read yesterday in our scripture reading, when Paul confronted Peter. Yes, that was an act of mercy. It absolutely was because Peter was acting in a sinful way. And, you know, that's what church discipline ultimately is. Right. Church discipline is an initial um, act of mercy when we confront somebody. Then it's another greater act of mercy when we go back with two or three. And then we see it manifest even a larger way when the whole church comes along. And then if people shun the mercy from point A to point B, to point C, at some point God withdraws his hand, right? right? But you're absolutely right. The whole point of that mercy is ultimately evangelistic. Right. We deceive people say, you're right. I confess, I repent of my sin, and I turn my eyes, I turn my heart back to God. Right. That's all of that is, is aimed at. Right. I think we can show mercy when Jesus says, actually, in the Sermon on the Mount, that we are to love our enemies. Uh, that's a manifestation of mercy, that you would love those who would persecute you, that you would love those who would come against you and hate you and revile you. Yeah, and he ultimately is going to found that in being like our Father. It goes back to our blessedness, right? Right. Uh, we're, we're unified with him. We share in his blessedness. We have his nature. He's going to come along and say, in the Sermon on the Mount, okay, God shows mercy to the saved and the unsaved, to the righteous and the unrighteous, because he actually provides rain and sunshine so that people can raise their crops and feed their family, right? Right. He says, you want to be like your father? Don't be like the devil's children who only do nice things for the people who do nice things for them. Right. The, if you want to be like your father, you can show mercy to the one who's unkind. Right. That's the picture. Right? Yes, right. And and that's really that goes back and shows that our union with with the Father, our union with Christ, that blessedness which is ours because we're in him, that that attachment to him is what establishes for us and motivates and energizes our mercy. Right. Let's do one other thought here, Philip, before we we come to the idea of reward about this. What about the the connection that we see in often we see this in the Old Testament, the connection between mercy and justice. Right. You can't have one without the other. No, in fact, um, even the, our own receiving of mercy, we've talked about this. I know I've said it, you've said it. This is something that we try to make sense of when we're talking about, like especially in, when we talk about the expiation of sin and things like that. We often think that God could just let those things go. Right. And Romans 3 says he didn't. We think of our sins as being just absorbed into Jesus and 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 he just took them and cast them aside. But the Bible says that God would have been unjust to do that. It's not that he hasn't taken your sins. He absolutely has. But justice was served. He, those sins didn't go unpaid for. Right. In fact, we, we just recently watched a video in the church on the, the in Christ Alone videos, which made the point you've got these progressive um, you know, theologians, if you want to call them that, who are, are trying to make the argument against penal substitutionary atonement because they can't fathom why God can't just write them off. And they don't understand that God would be unjust. They can't fathom that, right? right. It just doesn't suit their needs. But the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, I think it's verse 26, that God needed to be just and yet the justifier of those who sinned. So what did he did? He poured out his wrath on his son. So mercy is served in the context of justice. Right. Justice is served on the son for all those who believe, and yet they are handed out richly and lavished upon richly mercy. Right. And so I think that's a that's a... Uh, connection that we we had to bring to the discussion in this podcast because we tend to think that God just 
uh, as you said, just kind of gave us a blanket forgiveness, but but the price for our sin had to be paid. It was great. Yes. 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 It was great. So let's wrap it up then with the with the thought about who are the ones um, that receive mercy and, and what mercy do they receive? Because the beatitude is blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Well, they've received mercy and they'll receive more, more mercy, mercy is really probably the way to understand that. Yes. They've received the mercy of um, uh, uh, the Holy Spirit's working a, a regenerated heart, the washing of regeneration and so forth, right? right? They've become new because of their new nature, their shared blessedness with God, you know, this this whole thing. They are now recognized that the emptiness that they were and the mercy they've received and that, like I said, I think it, it overflows and it comes out in the way that they treat their brothers, sisters, and even those outside of the covenant body of people, right? Mm-hmm. They, they just show mercy. Um, it's, it marks them. And then ultimately, that is the evidence that, that that mercy was a reality in them. Right. And so the, the mercy they ultimately receive is like you see in Matthew 25, you know, uh, come, blessed, you know, come take, be a part. And he says, well, why? And he says, because when you, you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we see that it's not that they're being accepted because they did these works. The, the reason they did the works is because ultimately they had received mercy and it's evidenced in the mercy that they receive at the end right. when, they, when they're accepted into, right. into Christ, and into, into heaven, if you want to call it that. Right. I, I think that the danger is our tendency to think um, that before salvation, we were undeserving of mercy. And we were in that category then by God's grace, we are saved. And now we've moved to a different category that we deserve it. You don't go from undeserving to deserving with the work of salvation. You are always undeserving. Yeah, the other part is, is we, if, if that's the case, then we're not, we've, we've miscategorized mercy anyway. Right. Because grace and mercy, by definition, aren't owed. As soon as they're owed or deserved, you're, you've, you're in a different category. You've taken them out of what they are. Yeah, they're not mercy, they're not grace. Both of those things, by necessity, by definition, must be given freely by something outside of you, right? And um, so, because as soon as you are owed, you're talking about a wage, mm-hmm. right? And, right. and, and in Romans 4, Paul makes a real distinction between these two things, that grace and wages are, are unmixable. They, they are not. You, you cannot have both in the same thing. They're two different categories. And, and, and grace and mercy, like I said, two sides of the same thing. So you can't, you can't mix those things. And as soon as you do, you've, you've redefined categories. Right. Right. Well, what are the thoughts? Are there any other thoughts or things that you want to add to what we are discussing about mercy, Philip? Is there something else that would come to your mind immediately before we close out? No, other than... Um, Matthew twenty three twenty three. I'll just say this real quick. Okay. Jesus, he 
he pronounces a, a curse on the Pharisees, right? Mm-hmm. When he says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe, mint, dill, cumin, but have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, faithfulness, right? He says right. this. And I think that if we're not careful, we can do the same thing the Pharisees do, and we can rest on the externals, mm-hmm. which is exactly what the Sermon on the Mount is, is battling against, right? right? It's... It, it, if we rest on the externals, if we rest on ceremony, it requires no internal recognition of my sin or my lack of conformity to God's law, mm-hmm. right? I got to get past that, mm-hmm. right? It, when he says here that, you know, you've, you do all these things, but you're hypocrites, the point he's making is if you would only look inward, mm-hmm. if you would only look inward, you would recognize your need for mercy. Right, right. You, you can rest on the externals, and you will miss. You'll swing and miss every time. You've got to look inward, and if you look inward, and you can see the motivations of your heart and your mind and your, all your actions, you'd recognize I desperately need mercy. Right. And if you could recognize that in yourself, it will come out in the way that you treat others. And I think that's the that's the argumentation he's making. Right. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, our prayer is that this podcast about mercy has been helpful to those who are listening. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And again, we appreciate any way that you can share the podcast, the ratings, reviews, and good old-fashioned word of mouth. And next week, we will talk about how do the pure in heart see God. <laughs>